In 2018, FINRA embarked on a large-scale transformation of its exam and risk monitoring program to make FINRA a more effective, agile, and risk-focused regulator. A lot of progress has been made in the last year. On this episode, FINRA's Head of Member Supervision, Barry Havlick, provides an update. Welcome to FINRA Unscripted. From New York, I'm your host, Caitlin Kiernan. We're pleased to welcome back to the show FINRA's Executive Vice President of Member Supervision, Barry Havlick. Barry, welcome back. Thanks, Caitlin. So, Barry, it's been about a year since we last had you on the podcast to walk us through your big picture plans to transform FINRA's examination and risk monitoring program. A lot has happened since then, so wanted to have you back here to talk through that. But first, before we dig into where you are now, what's the goal of this transformation? So if we think about it, when I first joined FINRA, we had three different exam programs. We were geographically based, so our members are very familiar with the district that covers them. And you know, we would hear a lot from membership that there are inconsistencies in the approach to the exams, exam findings across the different districts. There were a number of comments around feeling that examiners didn't understand their business and the individuals they were dealing with didn't really understand their business. So we're moving from there to a place where we have one exam program and we're organized around high-level business models of our member firms. And we've got something like 3,700 member firms, almost that number of business models. So this is, you know, this is rough, but putting all the firms that they're major business is retail together and then putting our examiners who have expertise and experience there focused on that type of business model. That's where we're going as well as finding this right balance of tailoring our exam and risk monitoring programs to the business model of the firm while making sure we're being consistent on like topics and issues. So this is a big undertaking. How far along are you in the process? I'm going to emphasize, yes, it is a big undertaking. And I think we're probably, rough estimate, probably about halfway there. We've made some changes throughout this year. Right now, we're the final stages of figuring out how we align staff under this new org structure that is focused on the business models. And we'll be ready in January of 2020 to kick off next year's exam program aligned against the different business models of the member firms. But throughout 2020, and quite frankly, probably into 2021, we will continue to make some changes to further tailor our programs and make sure that our technology keeps up with those changes, right? We can make some changes immediately. Technology often takes a bit longer. You mentioned that you're realigning based on the business models. You mentioned retail firms in particular. Are you done grouping firms? And what are some of those groupings beyond retail? So we came up with some high-level groupings. So retail, that would include regardless of the size of firm, and it would also include independent contractors, right? Really the firms that the vast majority of their business is focused on retail investors. Capital markets is another big group, and that has firms like private placements, M&A, and the like. Another bucket is trading and execution. That's another grouping. And then we have carrying and clearing. And then the final uh, major 
category is diversified. So we have a number of firms that have a very diversified business there and quite a few things. So that's how we've grouped at a very high level within each of those. We have some subgroups to try to narrow it. The capital markets grouping has probably the most diverse set of firms. There are hundreds of firms that are just very unique in the business that they engage in. And will firms be notified what group they've been slotted into? The plan is that we will notify them probably towards the end of the year, as we also notify them if any of their main contacts here at FINRA change, people that they will deal with on a go-forward basis. But these groupings probably impacts the firms themselves far less than the impact us internally. It's really how we're organizing ourselves internally to try to get expertise focused on major segments of the membership business models. So last time we talked on the podcast, you mentioned a plan to introduce a new senior level single point of accountability for firms. So what's this person's responsibilities? The single point of accountability will be the most senior person who has the most information, most knowledge of the firm. The regulatory coordinators will report to this individual, but this is the individual that will come up with which firm should be examined in the coming year. They'll be the final individual who determines the scope of those exams, making sure they understand all the different touch points that we do have here within FINRA on that firm, right? We don't want to duplicate efforts. So this person's going to make sure that we're not duplicating efforts. And they will be also the person that if a firm feels they really need to escalate a matter, this is the individual that they would contact. And does a firm have any say in this matter? No, not really at this point. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm always open to feedback, but I'm confident that the people we put in these roles will do a very good job. And of course, I will want to hear if firms experience challenges, we want to hear about it and be able to work it through. So some firms might be concerned about developing a new relationship with this new staff role when they've already have a relationship with their regulatory coordinator. What would you say to them on that? So I think some firms will probably end up having the same regulatory coordinator. They'll want to get to know who this single point of accountability is. Some firms will have a new regulatory coordinator. I know that can be challenging sometimes, having to learn a new person, a new person learning your new business. But I would ask those firms to be patient with us. And the end goal is that you've got somebody who really understands your business and businesses like yours. And so how do the district office directors fit into all of this? So when I think today being geographically based, right, individuals who work for a member firm who want to escalate something oftentimes will escalate to the district director. So in the future, they'll escalate to the single point of accountability. So they're sort of comparable type of roles, but we won't have that concept of a district director anymore. We'll certainly have a most senior person in each geographic office, but I think the single point of accountability really sort of replaces that district director concept. Will firms still belong to districts or how will that change? They will still belong to districts, although the folks that cover them, we are trying to find this balance of having coverage geographically near the firm to the extent that we can, 
but again, focusing on making sure we've got the right expertise focusing on the firm. So we're trying to find this balance. And I think they will all remain part of their current district. That's just part of our structure, even though they may deal with individuals who might be in another geographic location. So the regional committees and the various district office events, those will stay the same? Essentially, they will. For now, it is important that member firms who are in the same region are able to get together, and then we'll make sure that the individuals within FINRA who cover those firms are there for those meetings. We're going to have another podcast just devoted to the 2020 exam program, so we won't go too in-depth today, but what should firms expect from 2020? They should expect a more targeted exam and exams that start to finish should be more concentrated. This year, we implemented a gap for firms, gap between the end of one exam and the start of another exam for those firms that are examined annually, and that will continue going forward. And so typically a firm would learn the next year's exam schedule in the fourth quarter. Is that still the case? No, they'll probably learn it more like the middle of January. Why the change in timing? The change is the result of we have taken a new approach to how we assess the risk of firms. And given all the changes that we're making internally with moving people around and different assignments, changes we're making with our technology and some of our processes, we want to make sure that people have enough time to absorb those changes. And some of the changes are rolling out in December and training. And so it didn't make sense to us to rush and announce exams in December. Didn't see any reason we couldn't just do it in the new year. And I'm not sure how many firms are really going to miss having their exam announced, you know, the week or two before Christmas. So this is a holiday gift to the membership. A tiny one, yes. (laughs) So a transformation of this magnitude, I can see it taking a lot of staff changes at all levels. But let's start at the top, since you have new leadership. What changed? I did mention the significant firm groupings, how we're going to group our member firms. So we have Bill St. Louis, who has been with FINRA quite a number of years, very experienced, as are all the leaders. He will be in charge of the retail and the capital markets member firms. Ornella Bergeron will be in charge of the caring and clearing and diversified. Again, Ornella has been with FINRA for 30 years, very, very experienced. Tim Thompson has a tremendous amount of experience as well, and he will be in charge of the trading and execution firms. And then to make sure that we find this balance of consistency while tailoring for certain business models, we have Tom Nelly in the role heading up the exam teams and making sure from a risk monitoring standpoint that we're consistent. But his teams will be executing the exams, making sure that we're being consistent where we should be while tailoring the exam where we should. And then finally, we have Carrie Gendron, who joined FINRA just about a month and a half ago. And Carrie is in charge of data analytics and technology. And we will look to Carrie to do more and more in the coming year around what data we have, what data we should have, how we use that data to inform our risk monitoring programs and our exam programs. And we want to become much stronger and much more nimble about using data to inform our programs. 
Yeah, that's a new role, right? Brand new role, yes. So recognizing the importance of data and technology yes. today. So let's talk about the rest of the member supervision team. Restaffing 800-some people sounds like a, quite an undertaking. How are you doing it? It is quite an undertaking. And so not quite restaffing. I wouldn't quite refer to it as restaffing, but we are realigning. And we started with the top. So we just talked about my senior leaders. They are agreeing on the next levels of leadership. And we expect to have everyone realign with them operating in their new roles starting in January. And so are the staff members going to have to be retrained to be specialized in the different firm groupings before the 2020 exam program starts? No, what we're trying to do is align people who have expertise in certain business models with those firm groupings. And we are looking at work that people have done in their past, whether it's outside of FINRA or within FINRA, where they have areas of expertise with what the needs of the organization are, with what their interests are. So it's a bit of a very complex Rubik's Cube to try to figure out how best to align skill sets with the needs of the organization. It's not going to be 100% perfect, um, but we think most people in their new roles will already be very experienced. We do have more work to do on our training programs. I know that we hear a lot from member firms feeling that examiners are not adequately trained all the time, feeling like they're training the examiners on the job. And internally, our examiners feel a need for more training. That's one area that we will spend a lot of time building out much more robustly in 2020. That is part of, I'd say, a phase two of the transformation. So with the new firm grouping structure replacing the district structure, what does that mean for staff locations? Not really much. Staff will be located where they are, but what it does is it opens up our ability and staff's ability to focus on other types of business models. So if they're geographically located in a place that doesn't have in that district firms of a particular business model, but that's where their expertise is and their knowledge is, this allows them to work on a firm that's not in their geographic region. So we started talking about the staff changes by talking about these changes at the top, but actually a lot of this transformation has been driven from the ground up. How widespread is the participation in this transformation process? In one way or another, I think about half the staff are involved in the transformation. So some are actively involved in spending a lot of time some might participate in surveys and providing feedback, but we have about half the folks have volunteered and expressed interest in participating in the transformation. That's really incredible. And what's so important about having such widespread participation? Well, having participation from the folks who do the job on a day-to-day -day basis is really important because they understand the implications of the changes. When I first joined, I would say probably the first six months that I was with FINRA, certainly looked at the 360 feedback that Robert right, and team had collected before I arrived. But in going out and visiting with staff in the districts, visiting with the different teams within FINRA, and visiting with some member firms, what I started to realize is that there were common themes of frustration, both with member firms and examiners. So one example is 
firms feeling like they're training examiners on the job, examiners being frustrated that they feel like they don't have adequate training. Another example is firms being frustrated with an exam starting when their prior exam had just ended or maybe not even ended yet. Examiners were equally frustrated with that. So it was really important to get the folks who have to implement and execute against these programs their perspectives. They're doing the job on a day-to-day basis. I'm not. They know the implications of some of the recommendations. So I think we tried to work very hard at finding this right balance of ideas from staff who would have to execute and implement those changes. They know the processes that aren't adding value. They know the processes that aren't working. So they would make recommendations and senior management would help guide and make the decisions based on those recommendations and what objectives we were trying to achieve. So I think we found a really good balance. It also, I think, helps staff. They inform these decisions. They are their ideas. So I think it will be easier for us to implement and execute against those ideas because they're sharing them with their colleagues and they were part of it. Well, that makes sense. And you've made a lot of progress on this transformation over the past year. And part of that was by setting ambitious deadlines. What was the motivation for having the deadline so quick? Well, I know that the 360 feedback, it had been received and there was work done before I joined FINRA to come up with a proposed structure. And part of bringing me on board was to execute the changes to the programs, to combine the three exam programs to address the feedback of 360. So that there was certainly some pressure to make some change to show that we were making movement. I think that the staff involvement and the phenomenal ideas, I really, it will be the highlight of my career, this transformation, because of the engagement of the staff and the truly phenomenally creative ideas that they came up with was quite impressive. I mean, I said it'll be the highlight. It truly will be the highlight of my career. So once they're coming up with these ideas, we do want to execute, right? We don't want to have those ideas just sit there and then wonder, okay, I put all that effort in, now what? And we know that we can make a positive impact both to the staff, member firms, while improving our effectiveness and executing against our programs. So I don't know that quite explains the, the need to move quickly, but we've got a great amount of momentum and when we want to see it through. So you mentioned this is the highlight of your career, but just a quick side question. Earlier this year, you rappelled down a 38-story building for charity. Which has been scarier, rappelling down that building or undertaking a transformation of this size? Definitely rappelling down the building. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. And so what's next for the transformation? I mentioned earlier, we need to get the staff realigned. We need to execute against the changes that we're making both to the risk assessment that's underway now, changes we're making to the exam program. Next year will be the beginning of the changes to the exam program. I've mentioned a few times the importance of tailoring the exam program. We can only get so much done before the exam program in 2020. So 
Next year will be about further tailoring the exam program, further leveraging our technology. In further leveraging the technology, it's also further leveraging the information that FINRA has in different pockets of the organization that are important for the risk monitoring folks and the exam folks to have in hand before they're executing against their programs. And we have a lot of work to do next year to keep pulling more and more of that information in. Well, thanks, Barry, so much for joining us to provide this update on the exam and risk monitoring program transformation. You've done a lot of work, and I'm sure we'll need to talk to you more next year about the continued changes. But as promised earlier, we'll be back with an episode on the 2020 exam program soon. So listeners, if you have questions, be sure to email us at finraunscripted at finra.org. Until next time. Please note, FINRA podcasts are the sole property of FINRA, and the information provided is for informational and educational purposes only. The content of the podcast does not constitute any FINRA rule or amendment or interpretation to such rules. Compliance with any recommended conduct presented does not mean that a firm or person has complied with the full extent of their obligations under FINRA rules, the rules of any other SRO, or securities laws. This podcast is provided as is. FINRA and its affiliates are not responsible for any human or mechanical errors or omissions. Parties may not reproduce these podcasts in any form without the express written consent of FINRA. FINRA.